Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, welcome to The Guinea Pig. I'm Dr. Mariam Zamani, an oculoplastic surgeon and aesthetic doctor. And I'm Fiona Golfer, a writer and journalist. I'm no stranger to a cosmetic procedure, and I'm willing to try pretty much anything. Which is why I'm here to make sure Fiona and anyone else that's out there considering a treatment to help make a better informed decision safely and to try and collect as much information as they can. Every fortnight, this podcast comes to you from Mariam's Clinic in Chelsea. If you're looking for an honest, no-holds-barred approach to invasive and non-invasive cosmetic surgery, then the guinea pig is here to help you. Hi, and welcome to this episode of The Guinea Pig. Today, we're going to be discussing all things boobs with our special guest, oncoplastic breast surgeon, Dr. Jackie Lewis. We'll be putting some frequently asked questions to Jacqueline. As this is a subject that obviously transcends the purely aesthetic, there are many reasons someone might want to have surgery on their breasts, including post-cancer treatment, reconstruction, and a reduction to aid back pain. Jackie is waiting for us at the clinic, so let's head over. We're going to call you Jackie today because you told us we can. So Of course you can. And before you got here, I was saying that I'm going to attempt to try and keep my shirt and bra on for the whole time <laughs> you're here because I'm so tempted to sort of whip them out and say, what would you do? But Jackie is one of the most highly skilled and respected surgeons in her field. She's worked both in the NHS and the private sector and is one of the few female surgeons in the UK with full training in both plastic surgery and breast surgery. Hi, Jackie, and welcome to The Guinea Pig. Thank you so much for having me. This is such an enormous subject, and there are so many aspects to what you do. Part of the interest that I had was just watching you at the Kurugan Clinic for breast reconstructions and augmentation using fat grafting. Everybody who comes in wishes, especially anybody who's had a child or has had any weight loss or fluctuations, they're always worried about their breasts and just generalized aging. And oftentimes women often think there's sort of three categories. You either get an augmentation, you get a reduction, or you get a lift. And for augmentation, you know, I, I don't think most people would even know that there's a possibility to do anything other than have an implant place. So I'd love to hear what you do, what you like to do. I'm really interested in fat. I first started using it for reconstruction of wide local excision defects after breast cancer. And then for putting over implants and filling out defects for mastectomy, where someone's had their breast removed after cancer. And because the results were so promising, I thought, well, why not use it for cosmetic purposes? 
And one of the concerns I had initially was about the safety of it, because when you're transferring fat, um, you're also transferring stem cells and growth factors. And one of the major controversies is if you inject fat into a healthy breast for cosmetic reasons, and there might be abnormal cells that aren't known about, you might actually be stimulating the growth of a cancer decades down the line. So even though paradoxically, I do inject fat into the breast for breast cancer patients, I know they're going to be followed up every year with a mammogram and or ultrasound or whatever, or we're going to examine them. So for cosmetic reasons, I will only inject the fat underneath the skin where there's a natural fat layer. And because usually for a woman who has small breasts, they don't actually have very much fat. So it takes many, many injections. I started First of all, my first case of ever fat um, injection was for reconstruction of a woman who had had a mastectomy. She had had a reconstruction with a tummy flap, which partially failed. And so because she didn't want to have implants, I did multiple injections of fat at intervals. The minimum interval is about 12 weeks before you can inject fat. And this lady needed lots and lots of general anesthetics where you'd actually liposuck the fat from areas where they have an excess, wash the fat, process it, and then inject it into the live tissue. But the important thing is because you can only inject a little bit of fat in that needs to be supported with live healthy tissue and a blood supply, um, you can only inject a certain amount each time. But with each injection, whatever survives will in itself act as healthy tissue to receive more fat Mm. to be injected. So at each injection, you can actually inject more because there's more of a healthy matrix to receive the fat cells. So have I understood rightly, each time you do it, you have to have a general anesthetic? That used to be the way, but now you can actually harvest the fat under one anesthetic, inject whatever you can, and then freeze the rest in a tissue bank. And this has really revolutionized my practice because I feel then that if someone is going to have an anesthetic for a cosmetic reason, we reduce the risk and they can have the rest of the injections under a local anesthetic. Well, I love your passion for this. And that's actually what was so interesting for me is to be able to do one anesthetic, which I think is really important to note, because obviously there's always risk associated with every anesthetic that you do have a general. And so being able to bank this is really fabulous. Now, Is there a difference in the quality of the fat that's been frozen afterwards when you want to re-inject it? Do you lose some of the potency, for lack of a better term, the viability? The really good question, because as you know, freezing is used as a treatment to get rid of fat. So there was this controversy when I first learned about the fat bank. But then I thought, well, you know, you can freeze embryos and they can remain viable for such a long time. And so there must be something about the process of freezing that preserves the fat cells. And it's been proven with the fertilized embryos and other tissues, I'm sure. So the initial studies have shown that the fat is just as viable and it takes or takes a blood supply just as well as fresh fat. I understand what you're talking about, about the process of putting the fat in and building it and slowly, but say for a woman my age, where my my boobs have grown much bigger than I want them with 
menopause and I've also seemed to have grown boobs on my back. To minimise them, is that a much more kind of complex procedure? I think you're talking about breast reduction surgery. Usually it's one operation and uh, it normally takes about two and a half to four and a half hours depending on shape and, and tissue and how many assistants you have. But usually it's just one operation. Right. So, but that's a more sort of in, in, invasive in a way, is it? Or if you're if you're building a breast from that sort of sort of, I'm, in my mind, I'm seeing you with your fat, sort of filling a balloon, as it were. It's almost like putting a needle in and then withdrawing it back, and at the same time injecting a, a spaghetti of fat as you draw back on on the syringe. Maram, you'll know this is much like having putting a, a filler in. Is, this is not under, there's no need for ultrasound guidance or anything. This is all from your, basically your experience. Experience. When you know the tissue planes, you know where the tip of your needle or cannula is, and it's a cannula. And do you have difficulty in these patients who later have mammograms or ultrasounds? Is there something that you can see or do afterwards that you, makes it more difficult to assess? Do you, do you see more increase in, in having a biopsy or having something like that? Really good point, because one of the controversies when we first started injecting the breast was if you inject too much, you get fat cysts because the globules of fat or the fat cells, if you inject too much fat, the outside of the fat is or that amount is in contact with live tissue. But if you inject too big a globule, the inside isn't in contact with tissue and will therefore die. And that can result in a fat cyst. And so then you might get calcifications. And one of the concerns was that microcalcifications can sometimes be associated with early forms of breast cancer, such as ductal carcinoma in situ. But our breast radiologists are so experienced that they can tell, usually, if something is associated with cancer and or fat, especially if you have a history of having had a fat injection. So the two greatest concerns then on the radiology and imaging on a mammogram are the calcifications and the cysts. And also, I suppose if you got a fat cyst and a woman felt her breast, they might be worried. Yeah. So that's that's where the skill comes in, to inject just enough to make the operation worthwhile, but not too much to get the fat necrosis. And speaking of just enough, I'm sorry to get back to kind of the, the world of Instagram that we live in, but I've got a 20-year-old daughter who's peer group have grown up with the kind of Kardashian world of more is more and you know the bigger the boob the bigger the bum how do you deal with the sort of demand that's out there for these really sort of quite excessive breasts at the moment and I don't know if you're using the same technique or whether you even do the kind of bottom thing but I do find it kind of startling that, 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 that the role models that my kids are looking at have got these incredibly inflated breasts. And what's that all about? Oh, yeah. We, we, fashion. We, we but I mean, you're dealing with fashion. fashion and you're dealing with people who who seem to, you know, they have a very distorted view, in my opinion, I'm of nodding. what is normal. I'm yeah, there's nodding a lot of and, nodding going on. I'm rolling my eyes about Instagram and what our poor children are sold concern and I suppose a lot of people who come to me I'm, I'm like their godmother if they're young and I tell them look this is fashionable um, if you're going to subject your body to 
surgery, you're going to have scars. Scars will be there forever. And um, fashions come and go. With fat... can't really reverse it, so... Well, usually for a thin person, there isn't enough that you can transfer. And because you're doing it in multiple stages, you can always stop. No. But for implants, one of the things that concerns me, if they go for too big implants, the skin is overstretched. Um, there's extra weight on the skin. They go out of proportion with time and gravity and weight of the implant on the skin. They'll end up having to have a mastopexy. So that's really sad. Everyone knows about having an implant or having a reduction or a mastopexy. I feel like a lot of people are well educated. But how much of that fat will remain? So, you know, do you overfill? So sometimes when people do, you know, fat grafting to the face, they say you're going to lose 40% or 60%. What can someone expect to keep? And is that why... Instead of overfilling, you just have depots of fat available if the person has enough fat to harvest in the first place. The reported figures are that up to 40% of the fat will resorb and people do overfill. I tend to just fill with the volume that I feel will take. And so I see a lot higher take rates. Okay. And if I did, because I'm a yo-yo dieter, so if I was to do it and then I was to lose weight, I often lose weight in my bosoms. Would that? This is a question that I'm asked a lot, um, especially in thin women who don't have much fat. And they say, if I put on weight, will you be able to give me a better result? And I say, well, it'll make it easier for me to get the fat. But then when you lose the weight again, the fat cells will become smaller. And so the initial effect will not be as dramatic. So it's probably not a good idea to put on too much weight just to be able to have the operation. How soon after having had history of breast cancer can one reconstruct? And when when does that happen generally for most patients? For breast reconstruction, we normally say wait um, about six months after the end of their adjunct therapy if they need chemo and radiotherapy. And also, even if they only have some surgery, it's nice to give the body a rest. So about six months, I'd say. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. And how how young are the young ones that are coming in? Do you say no? I I, I, I say no a lot. I say no a lot too. I find it so scary that I have to say no so often. I say no an awful lot. The oldest breast reduction I did was probably a lady in her 70s. And the youngest breast augmentation I've done with implants was at 18. And it's because her mother 
knows me well and because she psychologically felt she needed really her. needed it. But I saw her several times and we talked beforehand. But this was a girl who was an Olympic standard swimmer and when she developed would not get into the pool because of her mm. breasts. Mm. So when I heard that, then I thought, well, okay, it's a bit young, but it wasn't with fat, it was with um, implants. I'm 56, and the thing that I that I want to avoid is having a sort of majestic bosom, which is what I'm coming into having. You know, I, they just are, they're sort of, you know, they get into the room before I do. And they, Those of you who can't see Fiona, <laughs> that is not the I'm case, but that is how D, she But, but I feels. think they do, they definitely do, you know, they're still quite full, but they seem quite long and they don't do, obviously, you know, if I walked around my arms in the air all day long hailing cabs, maybe they'd stay up, but, <laughs> but they don't stay up. And I once saw a surgeon who described what I would have for my long bosoms as letting the light back in, which is basically sort of the, the thing where I haul them up by my hand, he would do that for me. But, but it involves quite a lot of Scarring, scarring scars, and scars. nipples off and nipples on and I got scared I mean he was really trying to encourage me to to do it it did happen to be on the same day as I was having a tummy tuck and I did think it was a step too far but the thing that I really mind is that the the, the fat and the, the, the fat in my bosom seems to have spread from my bosom round to under my arm and to around the back of my shoulder blade and I keep fit I mean I'm I'm not petite but it does seem very unfair Life is unfair. Okay. <laughs> and as, as women, um, after the menopause, our, our skin quality um, changes. changes. And what you're actually finding is just the fat underneath the skin drooping. Mm. And what used to be higher up just goes down. And therefore, you see the banana rolls and whatever. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's really unfair. So you can actually have a breast reduction and have a little bit of liposuction pointing to the sides of my chest to give you a better contour. problem with my age is you've sort of hit the why bother button. So you have to really, really feel passionate about doing something like that because I feel 56. I've seen people who've done what I'm talking about and it's not, you know, it takes a lot out of you. I mean, it's one thing having a procedure like that when you're 18 or 25 or 35 but it's a completely different thing having a procedure like that at 55, 65. I think it's exhausting. How, having... how long is the procedure for, uh, let's go through breast augmentation, either with or without fat? Augmentation with implants is um, probably quite quick, one to two hours. Breast reduction is more involved because you need to be cutting tissue away, lifting the nipple up and uh, re fashioning the whole breast and doing lots of stitching so that can take three to four sometimes longer hours what's the recovery what how long you bandaged for you're in bandages for a week you need to wear a bra day and night for about three weeks and you need to avoid upper body exercise for six weeks that part's easy um (laughs) but but really because you're not going into a body cavity it's usually not that painful with breast surgery and then with the fat, um, liposuction normally takes about an hour, and then the injections normally take about half an hour. What is the sort of average cost for a fat for the fat injections? Let's talk it, about it, the cost. It, it depends really on whether or not you use the fat bank because that comes as a package. The Cadogan Clinic offers a package where they will include the harvesting one injection and then three other injections, and that comes in at about ten or more thousand. 
up to 15, I suppose. With a breast augmentation, I suppose is about 6,000. And with a reduction, probably six to 7,000. Up front, you pay a lot more for no the package intended. of the fat. But if you think about breast augmentation with silicone implants, the implants have a limited lifespan and you need to change them maybe every 10, 15 or more years. And in between times, we'd normally recommend that you have regular breast ultrasound scans. And so I normally say to young women who want breast augmentation with implants, you're going to probably live till you're over 100, these young women now. And they're going to then subject themselves to, what, four or five general anesthetics? So the reason we say have them exchanged is because the shelves tend to deteriorate the longer they're in. They don't last so long. And so the uh, risk of rupture or leakage then increases. So you do need to, after a few years, have regular breast ultrasound scans and um, think about the added costs of the general anesthetics to change your implants. And then, of course, after breastfeeding, and also as you grow older, the collagen and elastin um, decreases, and they will droop. And so a lot of women end up having their implants downsized or even removed and then have a mastopexy after the age of 50. I get lots of women wanting their implants removed. And then, of course, with implants, there's the risk of breast implant-associated anaplastic large cell lymphoma, which is a really rare cancer. Well, it's not a cancer, it's a lymphoma. But we used to be able to say implants are completely safe. There's no increased risk of breast cancer. That still is true. There's no increased risk of breast cancer, but there's a risk of this lymphoma that's associated with textured implants. So, you know, um, I don't put in as many implants as I used to. Yeah. Uh-huh. What's the average age of the implant patient? Uh, there's the young women um, when they could afford it between 25 and 30, and then women who have finished having their families where they're a bit droopy, want a bit of an uplift and to fill out the emptiness. So after they've finished their families, yeah. 35 mm. onwards. I think we actually need more time because there's so many questions that are unanswered. So even just for breast augmentation, you know, scars, which, you know, people always ask me, I don't know anything about breasts. Is it better to go from beneath, from the underarms? There's so many questions. We just really hit the tip of the iceberg today. But And of course, Mariam, now we don't just treat the breasts uh, with surgery. We can use all sorts of lovely skin treatments like platelet-rich plasma for the décolleté area. You know how we use it in the face, in the breast, in the vagina. So exciting. Stop. <laughs> stop no no stop where do you use them have you heard of the o shot for no, the vagina is that something you drink no it's the injection of platelet-rich plasma into the g-spot and into the clitoral complex oh my but gosh. that's a subject oh for another talk God. hands up for guinea pigging that one <laughs> Oh my God, I can't believe that you can do that. Can you explain to me what that is? I've got my legs across, Marianne's legs across. So platelet-rich plasma, that's the fraction of blood. So you take blood from the arm or wherever, you centrifuge it, and you have a platelet-rich fraction. So this contains growth factors. Marianne put some in my chest, but I didn't know you could. And I knew you could put it in the face. Amazing effects on the face. So it's got rejuvenative properties. And it can do that to your... To the down below. Down below. So it's also known as the O-shot or the orgasm shot. 
And it's really, really interesting. The injection is done into the clitoral complex. Oh my. So how no. do you know where the G-spot, because God knows nobody else has ever been able so to find it on me, but it's, how it's, do you know where, where my G-spot is? It's oh, said to be <laughs> on the anterior vaginal wall, right. um, between two and five centimetres from the hymenal ring. And... Um, the injection is done into that area. And surprisingly, it's not that painful because I do give a local anesthetic cream and then I give a local anesthetic injection. And in fact, uh, women don't actually feel the injection of PRP going in because it's done with a really fine needle. Okay. So wow. then as a result, I'm walking down the street sort of humming. What have I <laughs> Well, every time I take a, you know, well, run for the bus. One of the most dramatic effects that I heard of um, from one of my doctor friends is when she had it done, she was going home in the car and they went over a bump and she almost had an orgasm. So I'm coming home with you. I'm, I'm literally in the cab right now. Can we guinea pig it? I think we should do this for the guinea Why pig. Not? It doesn't work for everyone. Yes, I'd be It doesn't work for everyone. But I hear that there's a couple because there's a pee shot as well for men. But once a year, they treat themselves. She has the O shot. He has the P shot. And then they go off for a nice weekend. I don't do the P shot. I only do the O shot. But yeah, I hear that these couples, yeah. And what does an O shot cost? Um, anything from 1200 Okay. And it can last up to? A year. Why didn't I know about this one? <laughs> <laughs> my entire married life. Do you know, I told someone about it the other day, and um, one of my friends, and she said, why didn't I know about it? No, there, I know I so many women who have yeah. never had an orgasm in oh. their lives. And I said, well, we need to then educate these people because I think women should not die without ever having had an orgasm. It's a complicated business, an orgasm for some. And you think about all of these kind of women's you know, groups I hear about in New York where you're lying around in a circle learning how to have an orgasm. I'd rather eat glass. But, <laughs> but if I thought there's a shot... You know, I tell you, I wouldn't have my wisdom teeth. I'd come and have <laughs> save up and come and have that. So I think we've got guinea pig it, don't you, Marianne? I think you should You're coming with me, I'll hold your hand. Well, yeah, no, I'm the guinea pig for that. I can tell you from personal experience, it is so worth it. Even though I'm menopausal, does it make a difference? I'm, I was menopausal when I had it. Okay. I think that's quite interesting I'm to know because I'm not sure because it hadn't all gone into retirement. Okay, interesting. <laughs> so fascinating to hear from Jacqueline and although many things in regard to breast procedures need to be invasive there are other treatments out there such as non-invasive breast lift but the O-Shop is something I'm incredibly interested in trying. Yes it's going to take a few weeks to set that one up Fiona so if any of you listening are thinking of giving it a go please do make sure that you have a full consultation with a medically trained professional doctor who takes the time to make sure you're fully aware of the risks and potential side effects, as well as the benefits for having such a treatment done. This is something that you definitely don't want to scrimp on, not that you should with anything of this nature. What Mariam has just said, of course, applies to anything you may be considering to have done on the breasts too. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back with a new episode in two weeks. 
The guinea pig provides unbiased information to those who may be considering cosmetic surgery or even trialing a non-invasive treatment or product. We do not endorse the use of any product or procedure featured in this podcast and are not responsible for the outcome of any of the treatments featured on this podcast or damage caused in connection with any treatments or products. Should you decide to try any of the procedures, treatments or products mentioned in any episode of The Guinea Pig, you do so at your own risk. Always consult an independent and fully qualified medical professional if you are considering embarking on a medical procedure, irrespective of whether it's an invasive or non-invasive procedure.